You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome. Happy New Year. 2020 is here, and I hope you are ready to take flight this year. If you're a lot like me, then you love to fly. And if you're even more like me, then you love turning your passion into profit. Well, 2020 should be the year that you maximize your efficiency, that you scale your business, create autonomous systems, but also become a part of the unification of the drone industry as a whole. Now, this particular question today came in on Remote ID, so I thought it was a good opportunity to give you guys some insight on Remote ID. Obviously, you heard the news show. Remote ID is supposed to be the license plate system in the sky. But actually, I think that this proposed Remote ID may actually be breaking federal law or, or, or could be proposed to be breaking hmm. federal law um, because of what we would call FISA which essentially means that the government cannot uh, wiretap or surveil American citizens in real time or have information that tracks them in real time. But that's not really even the biggest issue. The biggest issue is there's a license plate system that works great in the United States, but it also provides privacy to the drivers. So we're going to be talking about the potential problems. We're going to be talking about the potential solutions. We're also going to give you resources on responses, that you know could really help in unifying our response to the FAA on the NPRM. So, what am I talking about? Friday, this Friday, 4 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. No, 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 I'm sorry, 2 p.m. Mountain. Was it supposed to be 4 p.m.? Yes. Okay, we're going to have to change that. Do you want to go change that really fast? Do it right now while you're talking. Okay, cool. We're changing it. All right. 4 p.m. Mountain, 6 p.m. Eastern. Besides, that's why I wrote everywhere <laughs> Oh, is it? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> we are having a webinar, uh, and we're having this free webinar to really unify um, the body of drone pilots that want to fight back against the FAA's proposed remote ID. I think it's pretty clear that here at DroneU, we understand that remote ID is important. We hear and understand that remote ID could be the foundation for many other systems to provide for very very uh, advanced operations. But the proposed remote ID has complex burdens, structures, systems, and expenses on drone pilots, has no pilot privacy, severely limits really important operations. And why do all this when there's a system that already exists, that's built into most drones? So we're going to be talking a lot, too, about network versus broadcast. We really want broadcast only. That's what we're fighting for. Broadcast essentially means you don't have to be connected to the Internet because your drone is already squawking. Boom, boom, boom. Hey, on the command and control link, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This already exists. So if you're like me, you love to fly, you got to join us on Friday for the webinar. We're going to post the webinar link uh, for you right now. I'm actually going to use... Uh, oops, don't want to print that. I'm actually going to give you a quick link really quick. Let me make a little bitly for this. So if you're like me, you love to fly. If you have questions about remote ID, you don't want to miss this. If you care about flying, you don't want to miss this, okay? If you, for whatever reason, want to continue flying your 
oh, I don't know your RC planes in the way that you're used to, then you need to come to this webinar. So if you go to link uh, bit.ly forward slash remote ID, that's simple. But remember, bit.ly is a secure link. So obviously the link will be below. You can click that. But if you're listening, um, just type in HTTPS colon colon bit.ly forward slash remote ID. All right. Join us. You won't want to miss it. Also, we're going to be providing resources and uh, uh, we're going to be giving you locations for future resources on remote ID. I think the only way that we're going to stop this awful, awful plan is if everyone from FPV to commercial UAV unites. We come together with an organized strategy to fight this in a way that also doesn't burn bridges. Because I think it was also really clear that in the news show, I was very upset. And there are a lot of small conglomerate groups that I'm very disappointed with. But I don't think that we can point fingers, whether it's at the FAA, whether it's at people in the FAA, whether it's at groups. I think this just comes down to our American system and, uh, and really it comes down to our American system, but it also comes down to, I think, a real lack of practical knowledge of knowing how to fly. In fact, I would love to get a FOIA request on how many people in all of these associations in the FAA, in some of the security agencies, how many of them have a Part 107 and at least 10 hours of flight time. I think that might actually really help us understand the issue as a whole. But what also we should understand is that our fragmented, um, bifurcated, is a, I don't know if that's the right word, uh, disorganized drone service provider representation, I think, has really come to a head here. And I think that the FAA has awoken the giant. So many people are all over this, and we're extremely grateful for that. Um, to the 20 or so people that emailed Rob about how to get in touch with me, um, this is all this is all in response to your uh, support, your feedback, your wanting to get involved. That's why we're doing this webinar. We're trying to get everyone together. And we're trying to give you the right resources. We're trying to organize. The more that we organize and showcase uh, that we want this for the right reasons, that we can have security and have privacy, um, that we can have a license plate system, and there's a great thing that already exists. Um, the more practical that we are, the more organized that we are, I think the better off we will be. There are a lot of uh, actions going on on the sidelines, a lot of uh, groups getting together uh, on the sidelines, and I think DroneU might be a part of a large conglomerate of organizations and people getting together and coming out with a uniform statement that says, this is how we fight this, and this is what we need to do. So if you're like me and you love to fly, you like to take to the skies, and you got to join us, remember bit.ly forward slash remote ID. That's bit.ly forward slash remote ID. So make sure you check that out. Um, today's question is actually from our good friend Ken. Ken asked some great intelligent questions. Love them. If you have a question, please do not be afraid to go to askdroneu.com. We love these business questions. You know, with the fly-in coming up here in April and the fact that we're having a huge business class for two days, I love these business questions. It's also helping drive some concerns that you guys have in the community as a whole. 
And I think that we're really going to be able to help a lot of people on the business end at the fly-in, which is not really the mm -hmm. big priority, but because so many people want it, it's almost become one of the priorities. So yeah. really excited about that. Make sure that you get a ticket to the fly-in. Go to DroneUFlyIn.com. And our very last sponsor, and sorry to have a very long-winded intro before the question, but I think you guys understand why it's so important. Uh, the other sponsor for this is obviously our drone you mapping classes. You can see that we uh, try to give the community everything that we can, the most detailed, nuanced information in a form and experience that makes you retain information, but also have a lot of fun. And then we utilize our profits from the class to then support for your rights to fly as the industry. And not really by choice, but because advocacy has obviously become uh, so, so fragmented. So... I think it goes to show where our hearts are. We want to give you everything that we can for you to build a business. So if you're in construction, if you're in ag, and you want to learn about precision mapping, if you want to learn about building point clouds, if you want to learn about exporting those orthomosaics and even editing them, if you also want to learn about georeferencing, but also fundamentally understand the relationship between data acquisition or the missions that you fly and how you process and how those two things are so innately correlated that if one little thing goes wrong, well, the whole project can go wrong. So if you're like me and you hate headaches and you got to join us in Arkansas in January, we will be in Little Rock, Arkansas. In fact, PJ is going to be heading this class. Woo woo, PJ. Mm -hmm. uh, so is Matt. And uh, so is hopefully a new potential instructor. So join us in Arkansas. Other than that, we don't have a class planned until March, but make sure to go to the live training section of the DroneU website to stay tuned. Hint, hint, Paul's doing subject tracking class in Austin, Texas in March. Hint, hint. All right, let's play the question. Hey, Paul. Hey, Rob. Captain New Jersey again. Happy holidays. And it's also bowl season. So my first question is, in spirit of bowl season, by 2025, are we going to be seeing the Drone U Albuquerque Bowl on TV? And along those lines, my second question, my actual question is, do you think realistically there's going to be a business model for a drone service provider one day that can generate the kind of income that would make it a potential sponsor of a bowl game or something large scale like that? We're talking a business model that maybe averages $100 million in revenue a year. I just was wondering if outside of something like a DJI that is a manufacturer and obviously they're making hundreds of millions of dollars a year uh, in revenue from that, is there something uh, along the lines of a DSP that could potentially generate that one day? Do you think the business is booming that much and it's going in that direction or is it all going to be kind of relatively small, maybe hundreds of thousands to a few million dollars a year is about where it's going to cap out. You guys are good at business. I just want to see, based on your experience, what do you think it's going to cap out one day, or just is it something you can't really determine at this point? Appreciate all you guys do, and I'll talk to you later. Ken, thank you. It's always good to hear from you because, as Paul mentioned in the intro, you always have good, um, thoughtful, intelligent questions, and so this is uh, no exception. Um, lots here, but we have to address, first of all, the bowl situation. There already is a New Mexico Bowl. It's pretty boring, too. Sorry. I just threw that out there. <laughs> well, okay, so you're going to go that direction. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm just the what guy who say says, okay, let's call a spade a spade so that way we can improve said thing to make it better. That's why. 
Fair enough. That's going to be very difficult in the uh, bowl paradigm that we currently exist under because, frankly, I think they're all boring except for three of them, which is the playoff and the final game. That's my personal opinion. But then again, I'm not a, a, a an alumni of one of the big conference schools, and so I suppose those folks are more into... I will say this. I have never been to... That's not true. I went to the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago when Oklahoma played Auburn. Pretty sure that's who it was. That was amazing. It was a blast, right? Was it Auburn? Oklahoma and Auburn? I don't know. I was there, <laughs> but a uh, couple drinks anyways. Um, that was amazing. Whatever, however many people there, 900 or 90,000, 100,000, whatever can fit in the Rose Bowl. The environment, the experience was incredible. However, how many bowls are there now? Too many. Thank you. There's maybe a handful that I think are are solid, don't want to miss bulls. But then I'm gonna. Anyways, I'm starting to ramble. New Mexico drone you bull someday. We can hope. We can hope, but we might need to make a hundred million dollars per year, like Ken is proposing, in order to afford said bull. But it, he True. does bring up. I mean, in his question about how can someone like him make a hundred million dollars a year, there there's a lot of really ideological questions in this. Mm. Like, how much money do you really need to make to be happy? Do you really want to scale your business uh, to that extent where you're making $100 million? And what is the definition of success for you? Because um, before we get into what is what would you have to do for a business to actually make that kind of money, before we get into that, I want to ask you a question, Rob, which is... Um, what income level would you be satisfied with? Mm. Because that's a very I, personal question. I think a lot of people don't understand mo money, mo problems. <laughs> it's true. Well, I think that everybody that is hearing that that would suggest that they don't have mo money, they they would like to give it a try. For sure, right? But, but yes. <laughs> I mean, isn't that the way that people see? It? So everybody say because we all know, for example, all the stories about lottery winners and their lives being destroyed. Yes. But everybody who has not won a lottery, I shouldn't say everybody. Anytime we use all inclusive terms like that, it's a problem. But nonetheless, I'm going to use it. Let's say most people then would suggest that you know what I've seen those stories, but I'd be different, and I think I could handle it. I'd sure like to try. <laughs> If I won the lottery, right? I would take the amorti am amortized. Is that what you're really? Payouts? Well, yeah, because then it would force me to not ruin my life. I wouldn't have fifty million to blow. Sure. Yeah. No. I, I mean, that that yeah, that makes sense. But anyways, you're like it doesn't make sense in Rob's book. But anyways, well, for you, I I, I wouldn't do that. But nonetheless, that's okay. So my point is. Um, I don't know the answer to that question. It's going to be different for everybody. I think for me, how much income would I like to have is enough for complete freedom, right? So I don't feel like me and my family have massive needs to achieve that. So I'd say we're pretty close to being there now. What I would like to do is travel a lot with the fam, mm. travel more. So that's something I want to do. By the way, we're going to Europe this summer. It takes a lot of humility to say that. Um, maybe we should go to Europe together because it's the 10-year reunion for my college in, in the Czech Republic. So oh. I kinda, I, I'm planning on going this summer, put it to you that way. And I want to try to map Sadometska uh, Numnesty. Where's so, that? Uh, that's Old Town Square. It literally is translated into Old Town Square. 
So of um, of Prague. Okay. Yeah, I guess that I think w- Prague would be great to go to. Might have I think it really would. I really would. I don't know why, but I just got this really random thought of like you know the Old Town Road song. Could you imagine that in Czech? Like, hmm 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 hmm. Stadometska namnesti. Like it would just be so weird. <laughs> anyway, sorry. I'm. I think most things, yeah, in the are like American songs would be weird in some Czech. That is true. That is true. But language. okay, let's get back on topic here Please. because what we're talking about sorry. is how do drone? What opportunities are there for drone service providers to create? You know, ten to a hundred million dollars. And actually, as we started going through this on our walk this morning, we thought, well, you know what? There's actually a lot of potential for this. Because sure. if you create a software platform mm-hmm. or if you create some sort of artificial intelligence that helps large businesses deploy vehicles at scale and you're not having to allocate a lot of resources to that, well, then I think it's actually really possible to make $100 million quite quickly. And I think the group that's probably doing it the fastest right now is probably Drone Deploy. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um so to get to that unicorn status, which I believe is defined as a market cap of a billion dollars, think of all those that have come along in the last five to 10 years there. Well, and just in general, entrepreneurship can be started almost always by figuring out a problem that massive amounts of people have and then coming up with a solution for that problem, right? That's name the the company that's in the news lately and it's going to fit that formula, whether it's Uber, Netflix, I mean, we could go on and on, even Facebook in many, in many ways in terms of communi- or connecting people. So I think that's the way that it will happen for the UAV industry. And I think what you said is true, creating some sort of software solution, be it drone deploy or somebody else, where there are problems that can be solved on a massive scale using drones and related software, absolutely 100 million and beyond. Yeah, 100%. But one of the things, too, is that you've got to have the ecosystem, the knowledgeable partners, the maintenance, the other software available in order for a business like that to scale. And I think that's also why remote ID is so important, because if we inhibit people from buying drones for fun, then we inhibit the funnel of hobby pilots to commercial pilots. If we inhibit that funnel, then we inhibit the funnel to the industry as a whole. And with less knowledgeable people becomes less scalable solutions and less solutions that can be solved, I guess, at scale. But in addition, you also do what those few companies in the last decade have done, which is capitalize on data. And I think it's it's so, um, you know, when we're talking about the question, who has a hundred million dollar business, I would say number two is probably Terry Miller with... um, transport risk management because he's been in the drone insurance game pretty much longer than anybody else Mm. he's like data king at this point but i know a lot of i know a lot of drone service providers have jumped around from insurance carriers like global to you know people like skywatch which is where we have our stuff right now right um and you know i think it's important to factor in if we inhibit you know i don't want to get off on a tangent here but if we inhibit any form of growth in this industry we inhibit these you know multi-billion dollar companies or hundred million dollar companies really from existing. And I think if we look at what's happened in the last few years with the drone market and how many companies with VC backing have just fallen off, Yeah. right? Is that a factor of the market not being educated? Is that a factor of the market not being big enough? Is that a factor of failure of implementation or real world, you know, 
it's probably all the above. Yeah. And I think the UAV industry has a particularly ch uh, large challenge in terms of the privacy issue and some of the fears that are pervasive throughout, I mean, humanity, not to overstress something, but I would say the majority of people, particularly those that are not in the industry, but so let's take the people that are in the industry in some form, even if it's for fun, they probably are okay with drones in general, right? But you mm. get beyond that, and that number is very, relatively small, very small, relatively speaking. You look at everybody else, and I would say the majority of those people, including the people that make our laws, are fearful, right? So those are some barriers to a company rising up in that sense. But I would also ask Paul, ask you, is that healthy? I mean, if you think about, it's going to happen, and What's it's inevitable. A hundred million dollar UAV related company. Yeah, easy. It's, it is going to happen. It is. Or, gonna... a, or a billion dollar company is probably going to happen as well. But so I guess we can get into philosophizing. I don't want to get into philosophizing, but I do want to ask you a question before you go any further. Mm -hmm. Macro perspective what does a business need in order to actually scale to that point. Because if you think about $100 million, mm -hmm. what is that, $100 million in services? So now you have a, a 10,000 people doing services and you're overseeing that? That's a, that's a lot no, of work. that's not what it is. Okay. Is it then software mm -hmm. to a million users at 30 bucks a month? But then what's the team to support that, right? So, I mean, this is kind of what I'm getting at is like, what does a business really need? And what can it offer to reach $100 million in revenue. Because I think that there is actually a formulaic way to do this, but I'm asking you. Well, again, number one, it's what is the, what is the problem that's going to be solved? I'm not going to answer that right now. If I had that very specific answer, which I may, we may. You may be in the right place already. I don't think that we'd share it on this show. <laughs> That's free 99 ain't going to get you a hundred million dollar, <laughs> but maybe yeah. a lot of free 99. <laughs> I don't know. Here's what, here's what I think. I think I'm answering your question. What does it start with? Obviously it starts with great leadership. It starts with an incredible tech team, right? Tech team. Because we're talking about something that would be able to scale to millions of people and solve those millions of people's issue or issues, right? And that comes from people who know how to put that down into the various types of code that it would take, people that know how to analyze, well, first of all, capture and analyze data, so data, uh, data analytics, and then it also is going to take... I just got a $100 million idea. Boom. No, seriously. Thanks for the question. <laughs> We, we owe you a finder's fee. I'm not fee. even kidding. You ready for it? No, I know you're not kidding. <laughs> I shouldn't have interrupted you. Keep going. No, no, no. You're good. You're good. Really? I, I'm sorry I interrupted you, but here's my $100 million idea, right? You talked about data. You talked about scaling systems. You talked about all that, right? Well, you know, Nest, the, yeah. ring, the ring company, mm -hmm. right? They have these ring doorbells on every home, but now the data is being sold to provide overall security to like eight, like HOAs, right? So what if you had a gridlock system, that's the system that we worked on, remember, yep. in association with Sandia yep. National Labs, right? Imagine you had a Skydio dock on every single house that when certain beams, IR beams were breached, that you had the drones just take off and provide 360 recon, 
right? Then if you had lots of houses that had that technology, now you blanket the area and now you sell that data, boom, $100 million because now you're selling Skydio docs to every home that, for a security system, but then you're selling that data to pretty much inhibit crime throughout the entire neighborhood. That's great. I, I would, I guess what I would say is that... It takes product management, which means a lot of costs, and it would be a lot harder to make $100 million? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, that's a little bit different than what I had in mind. The other thing about that is that, uh, number one, this is so much fun to talk about. I hope you guys are enjoying <laughs> this, and I hope we get some of your feedback. I bet a lot of you have some really good ideas as to how to answer this question. But that, to me, is building on an existing industry, right? So my hunch is that the larger security companies are working on that. They're working with drone manufacturers to execute on that already, right? So that's going to be interesting. I, I mean, I think the idea is brilliant, and I think that if that can be done in a way that is uh, relatively inexpensive for homeowners, then that could really help with crime. And I think the other thing is you put a speaker on those things such that it can yell at the perpetrators, right? Maybe you scare them off. Um, or a taser gun. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we could go on and on about oh, that. And sorry, we're... that was a little egregious. <laughs> no, I, I mean, well, until you get a, I don't know. I was going to say until you get your young daughter's boyfriend and I thought you know what I'm all in favor so you are pro taser gun from the drone all of the sudden by I the am way pro that's, taser. Currently, that's currently illegal do not do that it's not endorsed <laughs> by drone you or anyone thereof okay no but we're gonna start a lobby well we are actually uh, starting I, a lobby and I but think not that, for that all of you dads out there particularly of young girls will jump on that bandwagon anyways I'm trying to remember if I ever dated a girl that would have a dad as hardcore as you I'm like trying to remember I'm going to take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. One time I, I, I got an- the door answered with a shotgun. That was fun. I've not been that hardcore yet. Um, all right. We're not going to go down this path. Let's go back to <laughs> what does a business need yeah. in order to actually get to $100 million? I'm not talking about audience. I'm not talking about um, the potential for the revenue. I'm talking about internal, the company. What does it need? What does the leader need in what does order? The leader need? I mean, you talked about scale, right? I feel like yep. a lot of business men and women, especially those that come out of corporate America, have absolutely no idea what it means to run a business. Because when you get trapped in this box of nine to five, and that's what you think work is, well, you're in for a little uh, shocker there, uh, Bobby Bo. So, so, <laughs> so sorry, so, but I mean, like, in order to create scale, you need a lot of systems that are almost autonomous. That way, you're working on a lot of different things with very little input, so that they can run themselves, so that these systems feed into a greater system that ultimately runs the business. I guess. So, is that the answer that you were looking for? Is systems part of it? I, I didn't know if you're asking for characteristics of the leadership. No. Such as humility, that's selflessness, very some of those kinds. That's not what you were getting Be like at. Rob, not like me. You were, let's stop. You were thinking more along the lines of the systems that would need to be in place yeah. to make it all go. Certainly. What does the business need? Does it need you know, a 3,000 square foot office? Or does it need a strategy, smart goals, and... Okay. Form- let's, I would summarize it like this. This is very, very uh, rudimentary summary. But nonetheless, I would say a great idea, great leadership, and great people. So culture before, people before profit? People before profit. Meaning the people in your company? Meaning, 
You know, I think, boy, we're getting into a lot of uh, tangents here that I think are fun and, and potentially helpful, but I don't know that we're actually answering the particular question that he asked. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's those three things, and then it's it's understanding how to deploy the technologies that are that are so important nowadays, which includes artificial intelligence. You're going to need people that really understand that and how to incorporate that into something like this to make the idea go. And and I think that is part of the systems that you're referring to because AI is such a big part of making a system efficient nowadays, Yeah. right, in terms of scale. And so you've got to have people that know how to, again, coming back to technology, data analytics, and then artificial intelligence to know how to bring sort of all that together in a, a productive way. Um, sounds really simple, doesn't it? <laughs> but it's very, very complicated and difficult. If you were to summarize what a successful business owner needs to have as far as two traits, two characteristic traits, hope, hopefully you know where I'm going with this. Business owners, two traits to be successful, what are they? Oh, yeah, I know where you're going. <laughs> so it is clearly, and uh, I really, really believe this. I do too. It's self-awareness and a work ethic, hard work, right? Couldn't agree more. Yeah, and... Uh, can you work on yourself, meaning self-awareness, can you really internalize the problems that you have? Uh, I know you guys see my problems, and I'm, I'm trying to work through them myself, but it's not always that easy. You know, as a third-party objective, objective party, it's a lot easier for you to make... Uh, uh, interpretations as far as what other people have issues with. The hard part is looking inside. The hard part is internalizing your problems. The hard part is, are you willing to work on yourself because your problems will perpetuate through the business, they will perpetuate through the staff, they will perpetuate through your personal relationships. So at the end of the day, are you willing to look at yourself? And it's not easy. It's hard. It, is. it sucks. But... Here's the thing that I've learned, Rob, is if you're willing to put in day after day of these really hard days, work and work and work and work, and hopefully you don't have a stroke, thanks, John, um, then I feel like that's what success is all about. I really do. I mean, I, I really do. I also think enjoying your job is pivotal for success um, and enjoying what you do is so pivotal. And that's why I tell people, like college, you got to do a little exploring when you start in the drone industry and figure out what you like doing. Because there are people that have million-dollar businesses that are mapping golf courses. And that's all that they do. Mm -hmm. That's literally it. Okay. And they're happy doing it. And they're happy doing it. Yeah. Yeah. There are other people that map cell towers. And they're not happy. Some, sometimes they're not happy because they're out in the middle of nowhere and they're away from their family all the time. You have got to address the client quadrant. Who do you want to serve? What do you want to do? The happier you are, the more grit you'll have and the more likely you'll be successful. Yeah. And sort of, the, I guess, the last thing I'll say on this is that while I do believe that there will be those types of businesses, meaning that size within the UAV industry, like any industry, the bread and butter is still going to be the small DSPs, I think. Just like in America, I think, what is it, two-thirds of all employees are employed by small businesses. Mm -hmm. And so I think that formula rings true, maybe even more so in this industry than, than uh, uh, across the, uh, the other industries. But it's a good thing. It's a healthy thing, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next few years. And for $100,000, we will give you five $100 million ideas, but no follow-up. So anyway. 
<laughs> yeah. And we have some beachfront property. <laughs> time chairs, time chairs, time right chairs. Right around the corner. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, I think we enjoyed that. Um, to an- he did have a question, though, about remote ID equipment, right? Uh, I think that was a diff. No, 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 no. That That's a, a different, different question. one we're going to do okay. next. Okay, never mind. That was not Ken. Okay, well, thank you, Ken. We love your intelligent questions. If you have a question, go to askadroni.com, whether it's photography, photogrammetry, videography, or how to run your business, bring in those questions, askadroneu.com. Also, if, you, uh, if you're feeling like you got an attitude of gratitude, then give us a share or review us on whatever platform that you listen to. I'm not like NPR. I'm not going to ask you for a bunch of money in a lot of weird ways, okay? We, we try to help people better themselves and live a life that they love through training that's practical, uh, built off of uh, you know wisdom, which is, comes from experience. Um, but I think it's extremely important that you guys understand how important it is when you share the show, when we come together, and when we help each other out. Attitude of gratitude. In this 2020, I ask you to have an attitude of gratitude. I think a couple of things that I'm going to try to do is I've been on this uh, huge kick with just doing some some basic very rudimentary exercises in the morning. And also yesterday I decided I'm going to try to breathe before I respond to any questions. Very simple, but I think it's going to help me. Breathe. Okay. I think that's great. You want to test this? (laughs) It's too risky. (laughs) On that bombshell, it's going to do it for us today. My name is Paul. My name is Rob. This is Ask Drone You. We believe that videos, images, words, and sound have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.